Kicking and Streaming Podcast is brought to you by Cafe 1804. Premium Haitian coffee now available online at cafe1804.com. That's cafe, K-A-F-E, 1804.com. Well, we're here, so uh, shall we get going? Uh, Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. All right. This is Kicking and Streaming Podcast, a binge watcher's guide to streaming movies, TV series, and stuff. Here are your hosts, Graham and Jocelyn. So hello everyone and welcome to Kicking and Streaming for this week. And uh, today we're having a very special program. My name is Graham and with me on the other side, as usual, the very fantastic, the incomparable co-host of mine and her name is Jocelyn. <laughs> Jocelyn, how you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you doing, Graham? We are doing fine. We're doing fine. We have some thunderstorms moving into the area. Yeah, it's kind of popping off where I am. Welcome to North Carolina weather. (laughs) (laughs) If it's nice, you will get two or three thunderstorms in one day. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, that's how it is. Um, It's all the most special this week because we have invited my very good friend, John, uh, who is also on the line with us directly from Asheville, North Carolina. John, how you doing, my brother? I'm doing good, Graham. How you doing today? I'm doing fine, man. Thank you for joining us. And uh, hey, it's uh, my pleasure, and uh, I thank you for inviting me on, man. Um, so the 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 main reason you here is because you, um, as we mentioned in our last show, we were planning on talking about the OA today, and the only reason we got to the OA, both Justin and myself, is because of you. You know, um, you suggested we we talked about it because it was a very what the fuck kind of show. <laughs> and I thought you were kidding, but you weren't. <laughs> uh, no, I definitely wasn't kidding about that. But yeah, so you when you first started talking about doing this project, you uh, you said you wanted to ask me about the. Uh, weird shit that i watch so this is one of the weird shit things that i watch dude <laughs> it, it is it is amazing right Justin? <laughs> it is definitely some some weird stuff it is an excellent series and uh one of the strangest things i've seen in a long time yeah yeah and um we're gonna we're gonna be talking about that but before that i wanted to go over a couple of um news that you know things that happened this week and things that are about to happen in terms of uh TV and movies um so we lost Peter Mayhew uh, this week uh, the guy that played Chewbacca for pretty yeah. much the entirety of his life i know that I, I don't know you John to be necessarily a trekkie or a star warsy but you are into all these science fictions and action in um in superheroes and stuff uh how, how do you feel about um peter mayhew who has, was doing this until 2015 and retired from from the movie franchise and uh now uh he just uh passed away this week 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of weird that we've never talked about that. I mean, I am a huge Star Wars fan. Um, Star Wars meant a lot to me. I mean, it influenced me from an extremely young age, and I think it's one of the things that uh, got me to realize I had an imagination. Like, it, it, I don't know, it's something that stoked some kind of fire for imagination in me, I believe. But, um, yeah, it's... You know, as people get older, we start to lose a lot of the great ones. But, yeah, Peter May was a really nice guy. I met him two or three times, and he was always extremely nice to me. Um, even when he, you know, because of his, you know, whatever, uh, you know, in his life that caused him to grow to the great height that he did, obviously later in life caused him to have, like, a, you know, a severe discomfort when he was trying to sit in regular-sized chairs and things mm-hmm. like that. But he was always extremely nice to me, even though he was obviously – uncomfortable at some points yeah yeah um like you say you know we we all sort of grew up with with these people in our lives whether we are fans of of the movies or not we know they're there and, and they've always been there and um what was it about three or four years ago uh nimoy uh died and it was sort of the realization that these people are getting old and, and they're going to start um, passing on to, on to better life. And um, the years have passed and we too are getting old, aren't we? <laughs> uh, we are. Uh, faster than we probably want to. Um, yeah. Jocelyn, you're there, right? Yeah, I'm here. I'm listening. <laughs> um, we, we have talked about you know, neither of us, Jocelyn or I, being um, a lot of the Star, Star Warsers. The Star Wars people don't have a name, as Jocelyn discovered. Uh, they don't have it. They don't call themselves uh, a thing. Um, would you confirm that for me, John? Is that, is uh, that that's true? Yeah, Star Wars fans, I would say, are not uh, uh, typical science fiction fans usually because star wars is not really science fiction but it you know it's um it's it's really fantasy more so than science fiction it has more in common with like game of thrones than it does like star trek um but yeah i think star wars fans don't really have a have a name and and we thank them for that am i right (laughs) (laughs) you know (laughs) because later in life now I've, I've, i've become a hoovian um there's something about Hoovian that I don't quite like, you know. Um, viand in in French is mint, <laughs> <laughs> and Hoovian to me sounds like like a like a French dish. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, um, so in terms of um netflix all those streaming platforms i was looking at what what's coming on this week or what you know starting with may and um do any of you know anything about this series on netflix called dead to me what is it all about i saw the trailer for it i haven't heard of it at all so um it has christina applegate and um uh I can't think of her name. Um that happens I most know her is playing Velma from Scooby Doo from the live action James Gunn Scooby Doo movies, but um she's been in a lot of other things though. She was in Avengers, she plays Hawkeye's wife. 
Mm-hmm. I can't think of her name though. But yeah, I guess like it's something about um, Christine Applegate's husband dies. Oh. And then she goes to some kind of uh, like uh, therapy group for people whose spouses have died, and she meets um, this lady who, and from the trailer, appears to be crazy. Oh boy. Okay. So so it seems like a comedy, but also kind of terrifying at the same time. I'm not I'm not really sure what to make of it until I actually watch it, but it's it what I got out of it is it was kind of like fatal attraction to fatal attraction was a comedy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that might be something we should be talking about soon, Jocelyn, don't we? Yeah, that sounds interesting. <laughs> Uh, well, it premiered on May 1st, uh, Dead to Me, along with a, a cartoon series called Tuca and Birdie. Um, I have no idea what that's all about either. But it sounds to me like one of those uh, things, nothing like the cartoons that we used to watch, the children of the of the 1980s and 90s. Nothing like that in this two kind birdie thing sounds like something like that. I, I think I've I've caught a couple of the um, previews of it. Um, anybody knows what that's all about? I just pulled up the Wikipedia page on it because another one I hadn't heard of. Two kind <laughs> it birdie. It, it follows the friendship between two thirty-year-old bird women who live in the same apartment building. Tuka, a cocky, carefree toucan, and Birdie, an anxious, daydreaming songbird. Okay, there we go. So, so wait, the women are at, are, are birds, or they have birds? <laughs> yeah, they're birds. It looks like they're bird women. But they live in an apartment building. But they live in an apartment building. So I think it might be from the same people who do BoJack Horseman. Right. See, that's that. That's the same kind of thing. Yeah, with Muscle Man and and Tweety Bird or whatever. I mean, seriously, it's just weird. <laughs> So on May sixth, so which would be um what is it, Monday night, um HBO comes out with Chernobyl. And uh that, I read about that. That yeah, looks interesting. That looks interesting and I, I'm you know I'm glad that it's not another documentary, but rather a fictionalized version of it to see if there's any way they can make it make it less tragic, because <laughs> yeah. you know we all know what Chernobyl was all about, and um, the cast seemed to be very good, and uh, I think I'm going to be watching that uh, Chernobyl. It's a mini series, right? Like there's it's multiple parts, like three parts or something like that. Something like that, yes, yeah. um, like. In in two, uh, you know, it's something similar to what they did with uh, uh, surviving or living in Neverland. You know, like a three night thing, two hours each or two hours and a half or something. But we we'll see what that is all about. Uh, that's coming out on May um, on May sixth. HBO, I, I assume HBO Go and HBO. What is the other HBO streaming? If you don't have HBO Go, you have HBO what? HBO Now? Um, HBO now. now. HBO Now. Yeah. And then Jocelyn was very excited about the return of Lucifer. Uh, 
will be um, premiering on Netflix on May 8th. Yes. So they'll take it. Uh, do you think they'll take it from wherever it left off or, or is going to be? I'm not sure what they're going to do. I haven't really read what they've decided to do with it. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the. I don't know what they're going to do because it's Netflix. So, you know, it's, they're not tied to broadcasting rules right. you know, over the air broadcasting rules anymore. So it, it <laughs> could get quite interesting. It could. Uh, so I don't know. We'll see. Um, sort of in a similar vein, uh, May 3rd today, uh, extremely wicked, shockingly evil and vile has been released on Netflix. The Ted Bundy. Uh, biopic with Zac Efron. Zac Efron. I'm sort of interested in watching that. Well, actually more than sort of. I'll be watching that because I watched the documentary uh, based on Bundy. And so uh, I'll be interested to see this fictionalized version of him. Yeah. Yeah, Go ahead, John. Yeah, yeah, I saw the the Zac Efron film already. Oh, did you watch it already? Is it good? Yeah. Um, I liked it. Yeah, it's it's very um, um, it's it's not what a lot of people thought. Um, it it's more like really about the relationship that he had with um, I don't know if they were married, but his wife or his longtime girlfriend or whatever. So it's not really about his crimes at all. It's just about how their relationship um, was, and it's kind of really told from her perspective for the most part. Okay, because I know he had somewhat like sort of one semi-normal relationship in his life, so I guess it's sort of based on that. On that, yeah, she wrote a book about it uh, years okay. and years and years ago, and I guess it's based on that book. Okay. Well, I think when when words come out that this movie was in the making, a lot of people um, were criticizing the fact that this might be, you know, another way of glorifying serial killers and. And, and and so forth, but um, I don't see I don't see that there's a problem with telling the complete story of of anybody because the the notion that you know someone was born a certain way and it didn't and he or she didn't turn that way at some point is 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 often not the case, right? Like being a villain. It's not something you're born with. It's it's something something happens, something triggers at some point. So if the other side of your story, not not the story of the villain, but the story of who you were before you were you became notorious for being a villain, can be told. Not necessarily for people to admire you, but just to know that you used to be a a person at some point. I see no 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 problem with that. I don't have any objection. No, I I think it's always interesting to see the complexities of human nature because nobody is all good and nobody's all bad. So I think it's interesting to see that and to see, you know, the people who had or have had normal lives outside of these horrible, terrible things they did and their families who are like, what? No no way. They never did any of that. So the compartmentalization of life is fascinating to me. Which is what you always hear whenever these people shock you with a with, with a horrible horrible crime. Well, he seemed like a nice guy. <laughs> There's always mm-hmm. the the elderly neighbor <laughs> like, well, they were very quiet and <laughs> so nice to me. They held the door open once. 
I did find it weird that their cat disappeared, but you know, <laughs> cats go run away all the time. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't play. I shouldn't play with that. <laughs> I think, but my problem is, I feel sorry for if if that uh, series or the movie is ever nominated for something. Um, whoever has to announce, you know, the award with the name of this movie is going to have a hard time. What What was the it's, name of it again? It's a really long title. Jesus. No good, yeah, it, too it has bad. A name. <laughs> yeah. Extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile. Jesus. Yeah. That is. And the winner is extremely wicked and vile. Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to be that guy. Um, I would personally just shorten it. That movie about Ted Bundy that this nigga did, something like that, <laughs> and move on. Uh, so on Amazon we have on May tenth uh, the release of the third season of Sneaky Pete, the show that I've started and haven't finished watching, not even the first episode, but I know it's very good. <laughs> I know it, it, I got it I, it's, it's right there I know at some point I'm going to get back to it much like my friend Jocelyn is going to get to watch Game of Thrones at some point too yes yeah. um, after it's over and it's yeah. part of history and yeah. nominated for Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and all kind of shit yeah yeah, right, that's right? more my speed. Um, that's more more my style. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's something called Wizen Poof, also released on Amazon. <laughs> uh, what is that about? Uh, here's the thing, I have no idea, and based on the name, I didn't want to find out. The, it sounds to me like it's a competition of wizards farting. Hence, whiz and poof. Whiz and poof. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you know. And I'm, I'm happy thinking that's what it is, so I don't even want to find out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say, when we first moved here, we, we were, went to a, uh, a strip mall, and there was a shop in the strip mall that I swear to you, the signage said anal vapor. <laughs> I thought that was the most hoity-toity name I'd ever heard for a fart in my life. <laughs> but it was just bad fontage on the signage part, and it's actually a veil vapor. It's a vape shop, but I swear to you it says anal vapor. Anal vapor. <laughs> Probably not a shop I'm going into. <laughs> I certainly didn't. <laughs> and, and we're glad for that. <laughs> um, the Society is also coming out um, on May 10th. That's a Netflix thing. And I think one, one of these nights actually saw the trailer, but I fell asleep uh, through it. So, you fell asleep in a trailer, Graham? Yeah, like... Sometimes those Netflix trailers are like eight minutes. Oh, could, that's true. You could easily take a nap. And yeah, you could, you could have a nice little REM start. <laughs> and then wake up to watch whatever you were going to start watching. Because 
I don't know, man. Um, I don't know why they're doing that. If I if I click on an episode of, I don't know, the OA, why do you have to show me something else? I'm not feeling it. It's not. This is not like the movie theater or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, they only recently started that, didn't they? Like, um, I think that was a big controversy like a year ago that they were going to start showing ads on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. For something that you pay for, but I guess it only ended up being trailers for other shows. But Amazon is worse at it, than, I think, than Netflix is. Oh yeah, Amazon. Amazon goes straight up showing you NFL stuff and um, all kinds of other other series that they have. But I find it weird that we all have a problem with Netflix or Amazon showing ad, but we all gladly pay for for Hulu. <laughs> And Hulu has always shown ads. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, but the thing is that Hulu started like this and we accepted it, right? It, yeah, that's, that's that's the trick. Yeah. It's harder well, Hulu to... Hulu was a lot cheaper, too. Yeah. Well, what's the difference, really? I mean, um, Hulu was like 7 and Netflix mm -hmm. was like nine ninety nine for a long time and then it went to like $12. Well, oh, well, but I mean, compared to like Amazon Prime, but yeah, I mean, Hulu, I guess, got away with it because they, they had ads from the beginning and, you know, TV has ads. So it really didn't bother me that bad in the particular, it, it doesn't bother me. Amazon does it either, but it's just kind of annoying when I have to watch a trailer, the same trailer for whatever their newest show is before I can actually watch what I want to watch. I don't know if it's a psychological effect, but seeing the little, um, the little clock, counting down actually calms me down. Like, I don't actually have a problem with watching the trailers uh, because of the little clock, because I know, like, oh, 15 seconds and it's gone. I have a problem with Netflix, on the other hand, because they literally show you a mini version of a movie that they're promoting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, okay, I know what's going on in the beginning, in the middle, and in the end. Why watch the movie? But, yeah. Let's... um. I think we've been too harsh. These people might end up crying and shit. <laughs> <laughs> they were mean to us. Yeah. Show me where the kicking and streaming hurt your Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> uh, finally, um, I'm a big fan of Mrs. Maisel. And I always, almost in every episode, I have something to say about it. So um, about three weeks ago, Sterling K. Brown, the dude from This Is Us, black dude from This Is Us, um, posted a video that he got a part. He's joined the cast. He's joined the cast of Mrs. Maisel for the season three. He's got a, re, a a part in the in the series, and I am insanely curious to see what that's all about. Um. The reason being is that, you know, um, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, I think, is set up in late 50s, not even 60s, late mid, mid to late 50s in New York City. And um, as of now, it's been a, it's been a pretty racially one-sided uh, show, right? White Jewish people. And so now I'm curious to see what would be 
the what the character of uh, Sterling K. Brown will be about in the show and you know how they're going to introduce these black guys character i can't wait but yeah i have to wait until at least october or november to see what happened there y'all know what who sterling k brown is um no what else has he been in well he was um killmonger's dad <laughs> On, oh, okay, I got you. You know that that dude, right? Like the dude that T'Challa's kid, uh, T'Challa's dad went to California to kill. Yeah, yeah. So that's him. Okay, I got you. Yeah, that's. But I guess he's very. He's better known for uh, "This Is Us." You know, the show where everybody cries and everybody's really sad and fucked up. I've heard a lot about that, but I've never watched it. I've never watched it either. And I know that they maligned crockpots in it. So that's about <laughs> all I know. All I know. Like I'm... Crackpot had to come out and make an actual statement about it because oh. of the TV show, which I just think is hilarious. Oh, wow. Wow. All I know is that um, on any given night when that show is on, people all over the internet are crying. You're like, oh yeah. my God, it's such a profound show. Is a show or a movie really profound just because it makes you cry? I, 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 will, I will pause it, <laughs> this question to my panel. <laughs> is a movie, um, is a show really, really that deep just because it, it knows how to, you know, tear jack you? I don't I, I don't want to comment on the particular show This Is Us because I've never watched it, so I don't want to sound like a dumbass because I don't know. But in terms of just making you cry, is it good? No, because schlock can make you cry. So just because something can make you cry doesn't make it good. I hear you, and I kind of agree with that. What about you, John? Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think that... Um, um, I, I, you know, I don't think those two things have anything to do with each other, especially for being, you know, for being for something that to be considered profound, I don't really think has anything to do with, uh, you know, any kind of emotion, particularly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 this is us just strikes me. I don't even know what it's about, really. But from the trailers I've seen, it just strikes me as like, you know, some sappy, like you know, dramatic. Yeah. But, but here's the thing. And, and I think one of the biggest pro- problem where I, th- where I see people say, always talk about something being, being deep and profound or whatever, because it makes them cry is, um, when something goes in straight into the emotion without necessarily a message, when there is a message in something, people feel like they're being they're being uh, lectured, and they want no part of it. Like I'm not watching movies for that. I'm not watching TV for that. I'm here to be entertained. When there is a mindless sadness <laughs> to something um, that will simply just play with our emotions and 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 and, and get in there and make us feel sad, and cry when we have that good cry about, I don't know, things that bothered us the, the entire week, but 
you know, we found a motive to cry about something in a movie or in a TV series, and we feel we feel good about that because if that's the case, then you know, at the same token, people would would be more into watching some really fucked up documentaries on <laughs> on on Netflix and. You know, if I want to cry, I'll, I'll watch something like, you know, making a murderer or something. Because that shit was sad. That's all. I'm, that's all I'm gonna say. Uh, uh, yeah, that that yeah, making a murderer was kind of uh, hard to watch for me for a bunch of different reasons. Oh God, yes. Um, I was angry for like two weeks after that, and and I can understand why. A lot of people, even know, even though they know that it's for a greater good, a lot of people refuse to talk to the police and refuse to talk to law enforcement because if there's an, ever a reason you shouldn't trust any of these motherfuckers, you watch Making a Murder and, and you know you you know for sure that there's no winning, no winning. And I think Jocelyn and I actually curiously had this conversation uh, during the week. Um, and Jocelyn pointed out those YouTube um, sort of conferences, right, Jocelyn? It's like... Yeah, I think because um, we talked about, like you said, we talked about it earlier in the week. And I, if anybody has the time to talk, don't to, to watch, don't talk to the cops. Parts one and two on YouTube. Um, please, please watch them because uh, they're excellent. It's, uh, I believe it's a Harvard professor of law and a police officer, a detective, um, telling you why to not talk to the police. And I mean, it's very easy to say, oh, you know, don't talk to the cops or whatever, but they really get into the nitty gritty of it so that you can understand the workings behind the scenes and of everything that's going on. Um, it's on YouTube, both of them. It's parts one and two. They're each about 25 minutes long, I think. Um, and they're titled Don't Talk to Cops, Part 1, Part 2. Yeah. Um, let's, let's all do that because I, I, I think it's something that we should watch once, once a year, every year for the rest of our lives. Well, <laughs> let's get into uh, the meat and bone of this show today. We are going to talk about the OA. The, very... the whole reason we're here. Yes. The whole reason we're here. The very mind-twisting, mind-bending show that Joan... I have to say, when the OA premiered two years ago, I started watching the first episode. And for some reason, I stopped it and moved on to something else until John recommended that we watched it. Uh, we, we went back, we go back to watch it. And I didn't even remember that I had started it until like the 15th minute of that episode. And I'm like, oh, okay. I saw that two years ago. I wonder how, how, how far did I go? And then I realized, yeah, I didn't finish, not even the first episode. Um, and maybe that's, if you don't know what you're doing, if you don't know what you're watching, that might be the first, the first, um, you know the first reaction to it is that is that fair to 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 say like you could easily either get very hooked up on the first 
minutes of the first episode or just say this is not for me and move on is is, yeah. is that is that, is that I, a good way of of describing it i would think so i'm just from what i saw because it is kind of a slow burn um in my opinion so uh if you aren't ready to be pulled into kind of a long commitment then i can see you backing out of it because it at the beginning the first episode i'm not going to say a whole lot happens um it does in the overarching reach of the show but if you're just sitting down casually you're going to be like okay this is boring <laughs> yeah have have both of you seen all of it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I all right. So I've seen all of it now, um, and I would say that it starts off really fast, but gets really slow, kind of in the middle of the first season. Right. Um. When I first watched it, I didn't like it. Well, I liked it, but by the middle of the first season, I didn't really care for it because. Um, well, first, are we spoiling things for people? Well, we we or take some, we take some liberties. We 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 navigate around things, but I think it's very hard not to, you know, talk about some things if we are, you know, if we I, are I, going to. I, I don't know though, because I think with this show, we kind of want people to see it, and I think this one's a little. I feel like enough people have not seen it that. I'd hate to spoil anything for anybody because I would like people to see the series. <laughs> yeah, but I think a lot of the discussion is, that we would have revolves around things that are going to happen in it. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's, it's like if you don't want to spoil anything, you really can't really say much about the show other than that's good and you should stick with it. Well, um, we, we, we can actually talk about the premise of the show um, without mm -hmm. going without going too deep into into the details right L let's let's do a setup of the show you you guys you guys go ahead and to your to the best of your ability let's tell people what the show is about what they should what what they should be looking at well i think this show is going to be different for different peoples um which is kind of like what i like about it so i think that when jocelyn tells you know what tells everybody what she thinks the show is about and then when I tell people what I think the show is about, I think they'll be completely different things. So this will be kind of interesting. Let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> you go first, Jocelyn. Okay. All right. Um, well, it it's a series. It starts with the uh, story of a, a young woman who's returned home after a seven-year disappearance. Um, she's been kidnapped everyone assumes for seven years nobody knew where she was um and she returns suddenly and miraculously in the sense that when she disappeared she was blind and when she came back she can see um and it kind of goes through her distrust and readjustment to the quote-unquote real world and who she decides to tell her story to as to what actually happened to her for the seven years while she was gone. And um, throughout the series, you kind of get some little clues that there's some, um, I don't know how you would say it, fantasy elements that are going to be happening. Um, and uh, she kind of assembles a team of 
raggle-taggle gypsies to uh, tell her story to. And the culmination of the season is sort of the the ultimate ending to what has been happening to her while she was disappeared for the seven years. Um, that was really with vague, but yeah. Yeah. Vague, but substantial, I, I would say, because I, I think if I, as I was listening, imagining that I've never seen the show. Now I have an idea and I would, I would sit down and watch it. Let's hear John, though. So, to me, the first season, um, gosh, what can I say? Well, I'm going to start off by saying that anybody out there who's listening to the show, watch the OA before you listen to any more of the show. Because I don't <laughs> know if I can talk about this without spoiling anything. But to me, the show is about faith and about believing in things that are beyond so they're believing in things that you can't tangibly prove exist. And that's like what her story is about. Like you, if you just watch the first season, you could think that any of the story that she's telling this five group of people that she puts together, you could think that none of the stuff actually happened. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. She, she could be, she could be fabricating this entire thing. And, but the whole thing is about, she puts these people together to and they and she gets them to believe in this thing that they cannot prove um to do for a purpose that she's not really even telling them what that purpose is but she's trying to get them to to believe in this thing and to have faith in this thing that she's telling them and she's telling the story about how this thing happened and um that's why like later on in the series it kind of they kind of like I guess the parents of the kids or whatever kind of talk about it like it's a cult sort of, yep. which is yeah. kind of like what a lot of people of faith I feel like have to deal with is like I believe in this thing and I can't prove it exists. So we're a cult because I can't prove this thing exists. So to me, like the first season is kind of part of it is about, um, you know, this this faith and this thing that you can't prove. Yeah. To me, that's kind of what it's about on the surface, and then there's like a much deeper like aspect to it as well. But yeah, no, that's that makes sense. That's yeah. the the thing that The thing that grabs my attention the most about this show is basically, as much as you would like to view it as a series, every one episode seemed to be um a retelling or telling the same story in a different way. I, I don't know if that makes sense. Um, whenever you feel, you feel like you get into understanding where the story is going, is going, the next episode starts and you feel like you are relearning the story. Is that... Like it changed perspective on you while you weren't looking. Right. Like, okay, so where is this going? Because, for instance, when the second season started, I, I, like, 10 minutes later, I was asking myself, is this the way? Like, did they just change everything? <laughs> you know, is it not going there anymore? Right? Right, right. And that's what I like about it because it has a brilliant way of connecting everything again. And when it find, when it makes sense, you actually feel like, how come I didn't, how, how did I not see this from the very beginning? Like, it was so obvious. 
And I was confused. Why was I confused? You, you, it kind of makes you feel, why would I? So why was I so stupid not to understand from the very beginning that this was going to collide here? You know, but um, I think you, you've guys, you guys have have, um, you know, exposed the premise of the show in a very brilliant way without without uh, spoiling. I don't think you guys have have spoiled anything at all. Let's then talk about a little bit about the creators in the cast, because um, if we can't really go any further into the show because of we don't want to spoil it, let us talk about what we think, what what why the people in this show make it so great. We know that the the main actress Brit Marlin is also the creator of the show, along with um, her writing partner, Zal Bal Balmantage. Is that, is that, is that, is that, am I saying it right? It's uh, Bat Manglij. Bat Manglij. This, she's, she's clearly not a widely popular actress. Yet, I think this is some of the best work that anyone has, has, put together in a long time for she's relatively well, she's a young actress but um the creativity is really astounding isn't it um i yeah have you seen any of the other either one of you seen any of the other movies that they've made together her and um uh zal Batmanglij have been working together for like 10 years on feature films i don't know if any of you guys have seen any of those or not though no, I, I personally haven't. I have not seen any of their other work. Um, yeah, they have like three other three other things, and they're all feature films. One's called The Sound of My Voice, which is uh, I think is amazing. And then they made a movie like I don't know three or four years ago called uh, um, The East. And then they have a movie called Another Earth, which is kind of a science fiction kind of thing. Um, the sound of my voice, I think, is really similar in concept to what the OA is about. Not about, but what it's like. Um, where, like, the sound of my voice, she plays, like, this um, cult leader who uh, claims to be from the future. She claims to be from 2054. And then um, it's about these two people, uh, a man and a woman, who are, like, uh, reporters, I guess. And they're, like, infiltrating... Um, this cult to prove that she's like faking it. Like she's like full of shit. Mm -hmm. And then as it goes on, um, one of them kind of becomes entangled in the cult. And one of them tries to get out of the cult. And it's, it's really good. I think they're, I think they're absolute geniuses as far as like script writing goes. But it, it, it I am really attracted to her story because this is someone that almost didn't get into acting. Um, like almost into adulthood wasn't really looking at, at acting or um, being in any creative profession as something really serious. As a matter of fact, she was, uh, she did an internship at Goldman Sachs and was, yeah. was offered a position, um, was offered a position to like, you know, be one of the big fish there. Um, which sort of talks to the, the, the idea of making a decision in life that you don't know where it's going. You, you, don't, you don't know 
what your future is going to be. Um, a lot of us fail to do certain things that we like, certain things that we we know that we have the imagination, the creativity for, and we fail to take the decision to get into them because we like to know where the paycheck is coming from. <laughs> and here was, you know, this young, vibrant woman uh, being offered a steady and hefty paycheck, I, I might add. Um, and she decided, nope, I'm going to move to, <laughs> going to move to Hollywood and I'm going to try this. So it's, it's an amazing story to me. But also the fact that I really like the fact about her too, that she wasn't getting cast or wasn't getting offered parts. So she was like, well, screw this. I'm going to write my own parts and star in it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she's that. rarely, oh, sorry to interrupt you, but she's rarely been, I mean, she has like worked for other directors, but she's rarely been in anything that she didn't write herself. Yeah. I think that's very cool. And now that I'm looking at it, the, uh, the East thing wasn't, wasn't really a small movie. Yeah. Cause I, That's the biggest profile movie that they've made, right. for, for sure. Because um, it had um, it had like known actors in it. Yeah, you know, Ellen it had, Page, um, Alexander Skarsgård. Yeah. yeah. So so that was it. But so where do you think where do you think this is going? Because Jocelyn, I think we 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 talked before the before the show, and Jocelyn, you said something about at least five seasons more. Or, or, well. I read an article that said the story arc is planned over five seasons. Yes, that's what I read too, that they have five um, movements, quote-unquote, if you will. Okay. Um, I see what you did there. I like it. Yeah, I like the movement part too. And <laughs> speaking, without without spoiling, let's 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 then talk about some of the some of the actors in the show. I started watching the show and I remember seeing this lady that every time she was on the screen, I kept asking myself, where have I seen this lady before? Right? <laughs> where have I seen this? And I'm talking about um, Miss uh, Broderick Allen, BBA, the, the teacher. Yeah. And, and I, I couldn't figure out for the life of me until I realized Oh, that lady was in the office. <laughs> um, any of you guys watch The Office, the American version? I've never seen it. Yeah. I have never seen it either. I watched the British version and never moved on to the American one. You know, just, just a, a, a side note, if you've seen the British version of The Office, you will be really um, resentful of the... American version of The Office until you watch the American version of The Office and you realize, oh my God, they they actually did great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of those times those things are failures, but um, I know how wild, wildly popular the American version was. Um, I just, for whatever reason, never made time for it. I think I just tried to watch the first episode and I don't think they'd quite hit their stride yet. Um, and it just felt like a pale imitation uh, of the British version. So I was like, oh, great, it's just going to be one of those. And I never bothered with it again. But from everything I've read about it, it hit its stride at some point and now, became something great. And if I'm being honest, really, the the main reason that the Office American version became great, it was because of Steve Carell. <laughs> 
like really Steve Carell was the perfect cast um for that show and even Steve though Carell is so talented yes 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 and and even though everybody else was good after still Steve Carell left the show you sort of realize okay so this is coming to an end this is not going to work but okay so let me uh let us get back to the OA <laughs> um the the way you describe the group that the OA puts together i mean let's let's call her prairie at this point prairie johnson mm -hmm. puts together i think it's perfect a group of what what do you call them riff raff gypsies or something raggle taggle raggle taggle gypsies is that a fair description to you john um yeah i mean i think that they're just people that she could get to believe her um you know what i mean like i don't i don't i don't know necessarily that the people matter as long as they believe what she's telling them um this is also talking from the context of only the first season because you could watch it as a first season and never watch anything else and it sort of has a beginning a middle and an end right mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and then the second season just opens it up to a whole lot more but i mean they're kind of people i mean there's five of them because there's five movements they have to learn right but they um in a way, those people are all kind of trapped by their social groups in a way. Right. Um, much like they were trapped in their in the basement. Yeah. Um, like the five original people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that they're like kind of like they all have their own issues um, dealing with being trying to be the people that they are. And um, um, coming together kind of gives them. Mm, not a purpose, but like uh, an accepting group, I guess you could say. Yeah, but like Steve, for example, like Steve's problem is that he's his parents want to send him away to Asheville to reform school. Right. Which is kind of weird and random, but but maybe only because I live here. But, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, because aren't they in like St. Louis or somewhere in that where the first season takes place? Yes. Michigan. Michigan, yeah. So they want to like randomly like send him off to this reform school, which in, in Asheville, which I think is odd because of all the things that you would pick up on by visiting here, reform school is probably not really high on that list. But yeah, okay. no, Asheville's kind of a groovy little town. I didn't even know it had reform schools. So. I, I thought about that too. I was like, Asheville, really? Like, well, I guess he's gonna go get there. You know, you know, get chilled with good music, good beers, and good weed <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> you know <laughs> and, and like if if that's reform then yeah he's going to a good place but the way they referred to it was you know wasn't wasn't that you know in in the series and i was like okay well asville probably is not the right the right place to call these um reform school thing but yeah um but you no know, in terms of the group though I think they're different enough for me to not see why, if you were putting together a group, you would pick them. Um, but somehow, they became a group. Do, do so I mean, like, if if you were looking for a group of people that would help you to achieve a purpose, um, anywhere, and I suppose her. Uh, Prairie, in her desperation, 
sort of decided these were the people that she needed. But I, I, don't, I didn't see this as, as the, the kind of group for it. That's what I'm saying. Well, it depends on what you can. So in the first season, her purpose is to get back to help. Um, Homer. Homer, yes. That's, that's the whole reason she's doing this is to get back to save Homer. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but she doesn't. But you realize later that she doesn't really understand what's going on at this point. Yeah. Um, so she's just trying to get anybody that she can get to help her learn these uh, movements so that she can get back to where Homer is. But then we, you know, realize later on that that's not exactly what's going on. And she doesn't really understand what's going on either. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like even even she is being surprised through, throughout the entire thing. The, a couple of things that I didn't understand that I didn't quite get on the first season, because that FBI agent um, confused me a little bit. I didn't know where he stood. And even in the next season, I still couldn't quite understand what what he was about. Was he in on it or no? Yeah, I think we're going to see more of him. I think he's going to play more I actually of a expected to up. see. I actually expected to see more of him. And, and I did it. And, and it didn't happen. It was just like one appearance. Well, yeah. when... When he appears, you're talking about the uh, the Arabic guy, right? Elias, yeah. I think is his name. Yeah, yeah. So like when he appears in episode, or I mean in uh, season two, part two, if you will, um, he just kind of comes out of nowhere, right? And and helps them. Um, but that part to me got a little bit confusing, right? Um, and this will be a spoiler, so I, if you don't want me to talk about it, I won't. But I'm going to start talking about it, so you need to stop me if you don't. No, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. Um, so, like, okay, so at the end of season two, not the very end, but, like, in season two, you have, like, kind of two stories going. You have the road the, the road movie, if you will, about the kids trying to get to where they think she is. Yeah. Um, but they're in how, – how, so, okay, so we'll say Dimension 1, Dimension 2, and Dimension 3. So season one – was dimension one so they're still in dimension one in the even kids. during season two right the kids and the teacher are still in dimension one yeah yes so when they go to the at the end of the season when they're doing the movements in in front of the house they're not actually there right that's what i took out of that like they're not actually they're doing the movements in dimension one to affect what's happening in dimension two correct yes Right, so that's what I think Elias is. Elias is like a, um, like, well, for lack of better word, because they use this word, but Elias is also, I think, an angel, if you will. Like, OA is the original angel, whatever you want to call, you know, whatever whatever that means. Mm-hmm. But I think he's also one of those. I don't think he's been brainwashed or anything. I think he is, like, the same thing that she is, and she and he's, like, affecting the story to keep them going. Because if they didn't get there, then what happens at the end of season two couldn't have happened. Yeah, but but that is also infuriating. Because I'm 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 finding it that somebody somewhere is not finished. It's like it's like telling a story and actually not finishing the story, but like leaving it mid word, 
Like you couldn't, you didn't even finish the last word. You see what I'm saying? I, I see what you're saying. He's kind of like a, what's the word, they, the term they use for the deus ex machina? Like he's like the, uh, like a machine of God. Like he, he's, he's this thing that comes out of nowhere to say, to, to fix the problems that they have to make the plot move forward. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, but I think that you're going to see a lot more of his story later on. Um, well, I kind of think that, and then I kind of think that it's going in a completely different direction. But, but yeah, but yeah. Otherwise, if you don't understand, if you don't find out more about who he is, then yeah, he's just like he's a plot point to make these things happen that they need to happen for the plot to uh, converge where they need it to converge at. So, should we? And and I pose this question for you too, Jocelyn. Do, do you think at some point there there is a void of logic? There's there's a link missing. Hello. 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 <laughs> um, oh. were, were you asking Jocelyn or were you asking me? I'm sorry. Yeah, for the two, for the two of you, really. Uh, okay. So the question is: Is it about spirit? Is it? Is it? Is it a spiritual story? Is that what you're asking me? No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing. Here's, here's the thing. We are, as, as humans, I feel like we are always obsessed with where's the logic in this, even when. There is a spiritual aspect to it. We are always looking for things to make sense. Right. And in that respect, I'm, I'm asking if between the, the story that we know on season one and what we've seen on season two, can we actually see that there is a lack of logic between, you know, one scenario and the other? And... Is is that okay? Is that is, can we just move on from that, or should we be dwelling on it and saying this is not going well because because the two, the two things don't converge anywhere? I think you have to have some logic to not lose everybody completely, um, but I don't think that you have to have complete logic. Um, to have a good story. So um, as long as it doesn't get too insane, uh, I think it'll continue to be watchable and, uh, you know, not lose us completely as human beings. Um, but I don't, I, I just think that, like you said, we have to have some logic. So I don't know. It didn't lose me yet. Yeah, I think there has to be some kind of rules. Like you can't, you know, you have to have a rule for this universe that you're in. You know, every universe has some sort of rules. Like they can do this, but they can't do that. Right. And when you get to the point where like anything can happen, then there are no consequences because you can just fix it. So like they're trying to like make this universe where there are consequences if um, DOA doesn't figure this out. But if you can have a world where, you know, um, um, something can just fix the issues, then what does it matter? But I guess the point is they don't really know that. They don't really know what's going on. We know more about what's going on than they do, kind of. Yeah, that's, that's, that seems to be the case. But at the same time, we are, the more we know, the more confused we are. At least I am. You know what I mean? Because here's the thing. Every, after every episode, I felt like I needed to talk to a therapist. <laughs> right, and, and I think that's kind of its point. So let me ask both of you a question. So, who's your favorite character in the show? 
That is a good question. That is uh, a good question. To tell you the truth, I am rooting for Steve uh, because I feel like he acquired some very weird leadership sense um, in the second season. And I've seen the change in him uh, as a human being. And not only that, but I feel like he was, even though he was like the badass, the bad kid, he seemed to be the very first one to actually get it and believe 100% in what was happening. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think my favorite character is Hap. Really? Really? Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, this is this is interesting. Yeah, that's not what I thought you would say. So now I'm interested. To hear Jesus. This girl. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot more to Hap than than everything that we've seen. Um, I think that there is. Uh, something to be said for nobody being all good and nobody being all evil. Um, I think that we might get a surprise about his character down the line. Um, and I'm interested to see that unfold. I don't think that they're going to go the route with people being all bad. Uh, I think you're right about that. Um, because in season one and two, he's kind of bad in both. Yeah. So he, he definitely needs a redemption. Um, Steve, I think is the most fleshed out character in the show. Like, I mean, the show could almost be about Steve in a way. Yeah. Yeah. So he is my favorite character. My second favorite character though, is old Knight, the telepathic octopus. And I oh. definitely want to see more of him. <laughs> this is the most problematic part for me. And, and I think for Jocelyn, because we talked about it before the show. Ah, that was... I don't even, like, I thought I was on LSD when I was watching that, to tell you the truth. Like, am I high? <laughs> what so, the hell? Go, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Continue. No, no, no. But what the hell is going on here? Because up, yeah, up to this point, I seemed, I felt like I had a grasp of what I was watching until all night. And I was like, nah, that, this is not happening. And somebody has to explain <laughs> this to me. You know, I need an adult. <laughs> so old night. So okay. So season. Okay. So let me ask another question first. Do you think that the movements have meaning, or are they just random choreography they came up with for the show? Well, by all accounts, it's a choreography, but I do think that there is. There, 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 there are meanings to it. There, I, I do think that they're intent for it to to mean something, and at some point, it's has, it's going to be explained. Right. So, see, okay. So, season one, you could kind of think of as her movement, like the one she learned, mm -hmm. and then season two is kind of um, Homer's movement. So, okay, so we never even talked about the near-death experience part of it, which I think is a huge part of the show. Yeah. So when they have a near-death experience and they they learn a movement. So season two is kind of related to the near-death, uh, the uh, movement that Homer had. Because remember, his movement was about um, him going into the fish tank and eating yes. the 
seeing them anything. Yep. So that's I think that's where Old Knight came from. Hmm. So uh-huh. season two is his movement. And then do you remember what Scott's movement was about? Movement three? No. Okay, so Scott, if I'm not mistaken, and if I'm completely wrong on this, then I'm completely wrong. But Scott saw them. Didn't he say that he saw in his vision when he died, he saw um, Prairie and Hap in a relationship? Yes. Right. So when I was watching that, I took that to mean that the relationship that they were having with when Hap was having when Hap thought she was blind and he would have her upstairs doing things. Yeah. So I thought that that's what he meant. But then when you see the end of season two, maybe season three will be Scott's near death experience, if you will. And so maybe all of these stories are these five movements, which lead up to these five parts that they want to make. Does that make any sense? Or does that just sound as crazy? as? No, no, that, that, that's, that to me is a plausible theory. And and it sheds light on some things that I personally was was having a hard time understanding. Um, but again, um, when we when we talk when we talk about like random characters showing up, you know the the octopus thing kind of threw me off. <laughs> it, it definitely did. I, I don't yeah. know about you, Jocelyn. No, it, it it threw me off. My actual words were "what the fuck." <laughs> Did it throw you off more than the telepathic tree? Um, it did because by the time the telepathic tree happened, I had gotten over the octopus, so I, I was okay with the telepathic tree. Like I had come to terms with the octopus, so I was like, okay, I understand what's going on now. This is I got it. But when they first introduced the telepathic octopus, I, I was like, okay, I show you might have lost me, you might have lost me, but they, but it didn't. It got me back. But for a few seconds, I was like, uh, I need an adult. Can I actually tell you guys where I also got lost? Although I loved the the little bit, that bit of the story I loved. But I'm, I'm still asking, what was the point of it? That lady, Elodie. That French lady that showed up. And... Yeah, she's random too. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure about that. Like, I think that she's going to have a larger part later on. I hope or so. She, she must because she. I don't. I can't figure out really what her significance is at the moment. All I know is that her character was absolutely fascinating uh, because she seems to have a better grasp of everything that's going on in in the entire story. Um, she seemed to to be able to explain it better than Hap does. Um, better than anybody else. Like she can tell you what happens and how you get from point A to point B. But again, why? Why? You know, I mean, why was she no more, no more in there? Why was she just briefly in the second season? So, well, I I think that they kind of know that they're going to be that there's a, there's a decent chance that they're going to be able to make all five parts of this. So. Season two is way more open-ended than season one was. Mm-hmm. Um, because when season one ends with Steve running behind the ambulance, you could just you could just take that as thinking, well, she's a fraud, and none of this was real, and she tricked all these people. But then in season two, you know that that's not really true, and it opens up this whole new world that they're in now, that they weren't in before, this whole new dimension, if you will. Um, 
So I think she's going to have a lot to do, well, maybe not a lot, but something to do with future parts. Um, kind of like um, the uh, the lady with uh, ALS from the first season. Yeah. The guys who, who got the fifth movement. The sheriff's wife. The sheriff's wife, yeah. yeah. So, so she's the same actress that played the skin trader in season two. Do you remember that? There's like this brief flashback to where the yes. guy is carrying the wood on his back and he goes to this lady that yeah. sells skin. Yeah. Yes. And then she says that um, she, he says he has, all he has is this wood and he has to sell it for food. And then that's kind of all that has to do with that. So she's the same person. So that, that's yet another dimension we haven't even been to yet, but it just kind of randomly is in this. So I think there's a lot of random things in this that will come together later on when we watch all five seasons. Well, for what I can tell you is that it 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 definitely has us going, and um, I don't think anybody can just watch this show. If you if you made it past the first episode, I don't think there's there's any turn back. And I'd like to I'd be curious to know if anybody stopped watching after the first after the first episode because that's not the feeling I get. If you've made it past the first episode, you keep going because that's that it's it's that kind of show. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I would agree with that. But I see a lot of people like st stopping in the first episode because it's too crazy. Um, but but then it kind of starts to make more sense. At like, I don't, I don't like to use the words like make sense because the whole thing kind of makes sense to me in a way, but. It, you know, it's, it gets less crazy as you go through season one, but then it gets like really crazy again. So, you know, it's one of those things you have to like kind of the great, you have to like crazier. You won't like this at all. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. I, I read some, um, some critiques about it and that's precisely what, what they made of it is like, you either hate it or if you like it, you will like it so much that you will be asking for more. What I would like to see is actually 10 episodes as opposed to eight. Um, because I think they cram a lot in the seventh and eighth episode, um, almost to the point where as the watcher, as the viewer, you are still left with questions that could have been answered even with one more minute of the last episode. And... I don't like that feeling because all I'm thinking is if this takes another two years to come back, this is not going to be good for me. Yeah, I don't want to wait. What was it? Two and a half years between seasons. I definitely don't want to wait that long again. Did we ever know why it took so long? Um, No, I haven't heard. I mean, I don't know how Netflix um, re renewals take place. I mean, I don't know if they have, they wait for a meeting and then they decide what they're going to renew and what they're not going to renew. I would imagine that it takes a really long time to plot and write this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would because think so they, too. yeah. Cause like when they, when they were pitching it to people, um, they wrote it as a script and people like that they gave it to said they couldn't understand it. So they actually went around and acted it out for people. And that's how they actually sold it to Netflix was like she, her and um, Zal McToglidge went to like Netflix head, whoever decides these things and, and acted it out. And that's why they bought it. Wow. I can, I can, I can 
absolutely understand why anyone would be like, no, I don't get this. It's not going to be good. But again, uh, leap of faith, I suppose. Which is kind of kind of what the uh, theme of the show is, I think. But I think that at the same time, it's kind of my my concern is that this whole episode of your show will just sound like absolute nonsense. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're talking about like telepathic trees and telepathic octopuses and uh, things like that. But um, I mean, it does have an underlying human story. I mean, you care about her and you care about what she's trying to do. Well, I think the reason why we wanted to do this episode is because I personally think people need to watch the show. And you might not, we've done our best not to spoil it for you because that's not the point of, of, of this episode. That's not the point of this podcast. We don't come here to talk about, you know, um, all the things that happens in a movie or in a show. We come and tell you why you should watch it. And the, the reason why it is so hard to talk about this show without, without not sounding like we're not making a lot of sense is because you need to be connected to it. You need to be, you need to have seen um, the, the story for yourself. Because as, as we said from the very beginning, John has his own concept of the show. Jocelyn understands the show in a different way than I understand it. And I believe this is the real purpose of the of of the show is that no two people will absolutely agree on everything as seeing it from the same perspective. Isn't that the isn't that the gist of it? I I, I think so. Yeah, I think that it has to do with. Um, I think there's a lot of like. Um, like a lot of it has to do with um um like um what's the word I would use I don't want to use the word like um psychedelics but that's what a lot of people would use I guess like mind altering like um uh plants like um I don't know if either one of you have you ever either one of you read any books by Carlos Castaneda no. I have not. Okay, no. well, he wrote this book. He's kind of famous. Um, he was kind of famous in the 60s because he wrote this book called The Teachings of Don Juan. And and basically, he was like, he worked for a university. I can't remember if he was a professor or not. But he supposedly, his story is that he traveled to um, Mexico and he met up with this um, uh, uh, indigenous... Uh, Shaman? Well, he called he, he used the word brujo, which I think means like uh, wizard or like warlock or something. Yeah, witch doctor. Right. So he so he meets up with this guy, and this guy teaches him like they um, they drink a lot of ayahuasca, which is like a um, a medicinal plant, but it's a psychedelic. Mm -hmm. So they drink a lot of this, and he teaches him this um, way of life, if you will. And then Castaneda went on to write books about it, and then he created this um, program called i think they were called clear green or something like that and part of what clear, part of clear green's program was that they created these uh dances or these movements that would take you to this next level of like consciousness mm -hmm. 
which is what he learned from like Castaneda. So like, there's a whole lot of that, I think in this too, um, especially with the parts with the plants where they keep, where Hap keeps eating the petals of the flowers yeah, yeah. that he's growing from these people from other dimensions or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of that too in, in this. Um, so it's almost like this, like, um, um, higher level, like hallucinatory, um, parable allegory of life possibly yeah i i think that's a perfect summation of it do you want to add something more jose no i don't i don't think so i think that you know it's it's definitely pretty trippy and uh i do think that the fact that brit and the the other producer, his name's escaped me at the moment, or the other creator, um, in their meetings of it, they didn't really hand out scripts. They acted out the series and talked about it. Um, says a lot about it, that it's not really something that you can explain easily. It's something you need to watch to be able to get. Um, yeah, like his, um, the other guys all, but Bangalich, his brother is uh, in Vampire Weekend. I don't know if you're familiar with them or not, but um, they're kind of a famous like indie band sort of. Yes. Yes. Um, but yeah, his brother is or was, I don't think he is anymore, but he was in that band for a while. And he's done the music for these two series, correct? Some of it, yeah. And then like they, they bought a lot. Of, I was really surprised at that. They bought a lot of music for it. Like, you know, the, they used a lot of like um, indie music for it. Um yeah. Uh, Magical Clouds with their downtown, their song downtown was a big part of season two. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of really good music in it as well. Sweet. So uh, let me conclude by saying if you were looking for clarification <laughs> in this <laughs> in this episode, you're not going to find it. You came to the wrong place. You did yeah. come to the wrong place. You're in the wrong neighborhood. We started this show. We started this episode thinking that we all got it. And it turns out that we do. We got it. But we can we can only explain it to ourselves. So what I highly recommend you do is that you go on Netflix and start this show from the beginning. And no matter how confusing an episode gets, don't stop. Keep watching. Because everything in the end is going to make sense. But it's only going to make sense to you. And don't attempt to explain it to anybody else. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's the best exhortation we can give you. The OA is a fantastic show. The OA should be an award-winning, you know, revolutionary TV. It should be right there in that category. But is it something that we can all have a conversation about uh, at the water cooler like we do with Game of Thrones or Walking Dead or something like that? I don't think so. But that's what makes it great. That's what makes it great. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that it's a water cooler show, but 
could we sit down with two cases of beer and talk about it for three hours? Definitely. Yeah. 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 And, and I actually like that idea. So, um, Jocelyn, myself, and our respective spouses, we are just going to get on a plane. Not actually get in the car, do a road trip to Asheville. And John, you will take us to the brewery of your choice. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll have this conversation again. That sounds yes. good to me. You name the time and the day and I'll be there. Fantastic. <laughs> well, you know what, John? Thank you very much for joining us, man. Uh, I don't think Jocelyn and I could have done this without you. No, thank you, John. <laughs> oh, well, I, thanks for inviting me on with my hour plus of nonsense about telepathic octopuses <laughs> or octopi, if you will. So, Octopus. uh, yeah, hopefully, um, hopefully, uh, this won't ban me from future shows after the reviews come in. Man, <laughs> we have much more to go. Uh, cause you know what? If we ever do a sec an another episode about the OA, Justin is going to have to, um, be explain to me a bit more in detail about, why Hap is her favorite character. I'm still not convinced. <laughs> <laughs> we can do that. <laughs> Although Jason Isaac is actually fantastic. He is, he is fantastic. He's a great actor. He is. Mm, definitely. He's a monster. All right. Yes. Thank you guys very much. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for listening. Uh, pick up uh, your remote and get on Netflix and start watching. We hope yes. we've picked your curiosity with this show because it is a good show. And perhaps we will never be able to make it justice as storyteller. You need to watch. Thank you again, Jocelyn. You're welcome. Thank you. John, my friend. Thank you, my friend. I'm so grateful to be here. I'm grateful you were here. Uh, we will talk again. Take care now. to patreon.com slash kicking and streaming podcast uh, and you can see the how you can contribute to this show you can support it also on our player on our uh, Buzzsprout player you will also find a little heart if you click on that heart it will lead you to where you can contribute 